Hey, and welcome to Conversations on the Commission, a podcast covering the topics, trends, and issues in missions that impact both the missionary and the churches that partner with them. And by the way, we do say co-mission on purpose. And the reason for that is this podcast is all about co-laboring and the labor that takes place between the missionary and the local church and uh, in our scenario with the mission board as well. My name is Tony Vallava. And hello there. I am Stephen Maldoff. And Tony, today I, I think we're going to talk about a topic that really is kind of in the vernacular of mm-hmm. society right yeah. now. Uh, there is a word that's been used quite often, mm. pretty negatively, I yeah. must say, uh, because of everything that's happened with the pandemic and the impacts of that. Mm. And that is the word furlough. Right, right now, the, when people think of the word furlough, they're usually thinking getting furloughed from a job, mm. things of that nature. So it does not have a good connotation. Yeah connotation. People yeah. don't want to be furloughed. I've got a, a family member right now who's furloughed from their job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Furlough is a word that missionaries are quite often used mm-hmm. to. I mean, that's been in the vernacular for for missionaries for a long time because uh, the standard, I guess, kind of thing that missionaries do would be serve overseas for a while, come back and take a furlough. Right. But I think we have mm-hmm. to kind of define what does furlough truly mean? Kind of the dictionary definition of it. Sure. And then how does that apply to missions? Yeah. Well, according to the dictionary, uh, a furlough is a, it's a leave of absence. And I think it's important to stress that it is a temporary leave of absence. So, you know, like I mentioned, I've got family members who are furloughed from their job right now. They're not laid off. They're expecting to go back to their place of employment in the near future, hopefully. And, and the same is true with, uh, with missionary work, that when that missionary serves a term on the field, they come back for, I don't know if we would want to call it a leave of absence, but a time where they return back home and uh, carry out certain duties. Uh, it's supposed to be a time of relaxation as well, and we'll talk about that and whether it is or isn't. Uh, but it is uh, important, I think, for people to understand that in the missionary vernacular, furlough is a time where the missionary comes off the field, returns back to his, his uh, native country, and then returns with the purpose of returning to the work. Yeah, exactly right. You know, one of the things that sometimes people who don't understand truly what missions furlough is, and I understand why they, they don't understand it, because you take a situation of a pastor, mm-hmm. and you think a pastor working for four years at his church, and all of a sudden announcing, <laughs> guess what, folks, I'm going to take a year off. Right. Well, yeah. that just that would seem like the mm-hmm. an oddest thing to happen, but sure. yet in kind of the mission cycle of, of life that's been going on for generations and decades and decades, uh, that would be the norm. You know, right. I guess the standard would be four years on the field, then come back off for maybe one year. That There's a lot of things about that, but that would probably be the stereotypical furlough yeah. pattern that missionaries yeah. take. You know, I guess first off, is that even biblical? Is this just one of those things that missionaries just are lazy, want a year vacation, and then go back to work? You know, yeah. where do where did we come up with this idea of furlough? Right. Well, I think that first of all, and that's a great a great question. Where do we come up with the idea? You know, since our first podcast, we've been trying to always refer back to the scriptures. But I I do want to say, while it's fresh in my mind, furlough is not missionary vacation. 
and uh, very seldom does it play out that way. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you know, that that's something that should be at least mentioned. But there is a biblical principle and I think precedence for uh, missionary furloughs. And uh, we, we find that in Acts chapter number 14. After Paul has been off on his first missionary journey, the Bible tells us in Acts 14 uh, and in verse number 26 that they eventually returned to Antioch from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they had fulfilled um, in that particular place. Remember, Paul was planting churches, moving on, planting another church, leaving behind leadership and uh, doing it again. And so in that first journey, they had done that. And the Bible tells us in verse 27 that when they got to Antioch, they gathered the church together and they rehearsed all that God had done for them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And so there is definitely this idea of furlough where we come back and, you know, if a missionary has, uh, the average missionary has probably somewhere around 60 or more supporting churches. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take, you think, 52 weeks in a year. That's a lot of meetings to fit in, even if they report to all their churches in inside a year. That's why I say it's not vacation right. uh, to go back and, and do that biblical reporting and rehearsing in the ears of the churches what God has done and reporting about fruit that's abounded to those churches' account. I mean, little did Paul know that he was setting a pattern, really, for missionaries for the rest of the generations of church history. <laughs> but uh, it is a good pattern, and I think there's definitely some... Uh, importance to it as far as the partnership between a missionary and the supporting church. Because just like what Paul did, he came back to his sending church, in a sense, of mm-hmm. the Church of Antioch, and he would go around and just tell everyone, look, let me break it down, right. what's been going on in this city and in this place. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you the testimony of this guy who came to Christ. And as I went over here to this Gentile city, the response that was that happened there when I brought the gospel, sure. and the same thing is now with missionaries coming back to the f- coming back from the field to the United States or to their national country, and sharing with their their supporting churches, this is what God has been doing over this period of time that right. we've had. I know it's supposed to be a, a time of excitement mm-hmm. for both sure. the missionary to be able to share the good news of what God's been doing, as well as. A, excitement for the church to hear what God has been doing through that missionary they partner with. Right. You know, and it, and it, people might say, well, they write prayer letters. Well, I think Paul wrote prayer letters as well. We might call them epistles, but I think some of those epistles were certain where he mentions the work he's been involved in to other churches, especially to the church at Philippi, where he mentions some things and, and refers to them as a supporting church. But I think nothing really compares to that face-to-face meeting where the missionary comes back and talks to the church and, and gives that report in person. And we're living through this time we just mentioned where people are furloughed and we're isolated one from another. I think that we, we all understand that as Christians, we crave fellowship. We crave to be with one another. And and the online meetings, we thank God that we can do that. Thank God we have technology to do podcasts, mm-hmm. but there's just nothing like meeting with people in person. And so it was important for Paul to do that. I think it's important for missionaries to do that today. Yeah, absolutely. I know some people try to figure out ways on using technology to Mm-hmm. You know, how can, let me communicate in through Skype or FaceTime sure. or Zoom and to a church and just talk to them that way. But like you said, I think there is something just important for the, the life of the church to have missionaries in and then also for the life of that missionary to be able to share 
We just like right, always sharing right. good news. Right. I mean, we, we enjoy that, so I think there's something to that. You know, I think also, biblically, you see, even in probably, best of my understanding of Scripture, the busiest time for the disciples. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were going out. Jesus kind of sent them on a campaign to go into towns and preach and do miracles and things like that. They come back all excited, yeah. you know. They're, mm-hmm. hey, Jesus, you wouldn't believe what we've seen this happen and we've seen that happen. Right. And right after that, then you have Jesus saying, hey, come and uh, let's separate for a time of rest. Right. I can imagine the disciples like, yeah, we have earned this break, <laughs> you know, even traveling and walking right. and, and relying on mm-hmm. the giving of people to care for them. Mm-hmm. And so now we just get to ah, catch right. our breath and rest. Now, we know... It didn't end up that way. No. And I think that's yeah. sort of what happens with furlough in real life for the disciples at that time. Right. <laughs> ended up being that they ended up serving the feeding of the 5,000. Right. So they got actually even busier on that yeah, day. And, but what happens to missionaries today? Because it is supposed to be a time of rest. I agree. Mm-hmm. But like you said earlier, it often is not a period of rest. So what does happen to the missionary? What, why is it not rest? Well, like we said, you know, you think about the, uh, you think about the 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 average number of churches a a missionary has as supporting churches, and I think we can safely say that the average missionary out there probably has about sixty or so, maybe a little bit more even supporting churches. You know, their desire is to get back and connect with those people, talk to them, let them know about what God has been doing. If you just simply do the math and think about that and think that if a furlough is a year long and just getting back into the country, getting settled down the couple of weeks it just takes to kind of get acclimated, get a place to live. You know, missionaries don't have a lot of times housing back in the States. They got to arrange that. They got to arrange for a car and all those kind mm-hmm. of things. So that chews up a couple of weeks at the beginning, a couple of weeks at the end, wrapping things up. Now you've got 60 churches you're trying to get to even if you could book um, a different church Sunday morning and then a different one Sunday night and a different one Wednesday, which sometimes is just not possible. Mm. Uh, sometimes you're in a whole week's missions conference. I think that's part of the reason that furlough never becomes a time of rest for a missionary. But I do think it's important that the missionary sets some time on uh, aside on purpose to get some of that rest. And again, your point about what Jesus said to the disciples was so important. You better come apart, and we've heard it said, you come apart before you fall apart. And, and there really should be some structured time in there for family and, and just kind of recouping. Of course, any one of us in any profession would love vacation time. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think that when, you, when we talk about coming back from a foreign country, culture, really, right. that there is an adjustment period that, that does happen. Mm-hmm. You know, why does somebody leave their field, you know, for a time? Well... You know, let's just take something like I'm working in Southeast Asia, and so let's just take a country like Indonesia. Okay, mm. so you have a different culture, entirely different culture than the United States culture. Right. There is a density to that island that there's people everywhere. I mean, mm-hmm. to do normal business takes all day. You you may only get one or two things done off your to-do list just yeah. because of the time it takes to get from point A to point B because of the, the traffic and the population density. And then you have spiritual 
oppression. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, using Indonesia as an example, it is a predominant Muslim nation. So you hear the call to prayer all the time. You see that influence in every aspect of life. So you are on a heightened spiritual um uh, you know, kind of sensitivity of things, sure. and you feel that oppression around you. Mm-hmm. And so when you take cultural bombardment, you take spiritual bombardment, you take the giving out often uh, of all that you have, because a missionary, particularly in the beginning of the work, is doing all right. of it. I mean, mm-hmm. he's doing the, they're doing the preaching and the teaching sure. and, the, and the singing and the greeting and the setting up. They're doing everything. So they're going to be spent emotionally, spiritually, physically. Yeah. It is important, uh, as you said, come up, you know, come apart before you fall apart. Right. And I think there is a necessity to furlough for, mm-hmm. for a missionary, biblically and just practically uh, yeah. for it. I think so. Um, so. So let me ask you this. What can a church do to really help their missionary on furloughs. You know, churches like seeing their missionary when they're in. That's great. Yeah. So what can what are some things a church can do to help their missionary when they come back on furlough to make it an enjoyable time for them? Yeah, I, I think number one is, um, you know, it probably predates the furlough. It precedes the furlough. And what I mean by that is be familiar with what's already been going on. Your missionary has been sending you uh, prayer letters. And so take the time to read those. I know in, in uh, the church that I pastored, or uh, we, we would always read those to the congregation. But uh, we also had those who always requested copies, and they'd take them home and read them. There's some things to pray over in there and, and that kind of stuff. And, you know, a missionary can sense whether you've been aware of what's going on in the field or not just by the conversations they had. And for, for a missionary to come back to a church and members in the church say, hey, I read this in your prayer letter. Uh, you can't imagine the, the really how comforting, how encouraging that is to that missionary. Say, hey, somebody was really back here, really was praying, really did care. Uh, to use the words of William Carey, they were holding the ropes. Absolutely. You know? I remember very vividly a situation happened with me and my family when we came back on furlough. Now, we were a bit more unusual. We didn't come back for the first 10 years. We stayed out in Australia for 10 years. But when we did come back on that 10th year to the United States to visit our supporting churches, we we have some churches out in the kind of the hollers of Tennessee, you know, where pastors working full time. There's no secretary. You don't get a hold of them during the week. Right. So we decided we're just going to show up on a Sunday morning, unannounced, mm-hmm. just pop in, say hi to the church. You know, that was it. Well, when we walked in, there was somebody who actually said, hey, you're the Maldoffs. You're our missionaries. Yeah. Now, we hadn't been there in 10 years or probably over that, probably at least 12 years when we started deputation, you know. <laughs> so it's been 12 years since they've seen us. And to have that lady uh, point us out and recognize us as their missionaries, that meant the world to me. I remember that vividly. I remember how I felt. I remember that encouragement because I knew Mm -hmm. she cared for us. She was aware of us. She was praying for us. She knew what we were doing for the Lord overseas. Wow. I couldn't couldn't believe it, and I still, to this day— What a great encouragement that is. It was totally, very much so. All right, so I think that's that's great. What what else? What can else uh, a church do for a missionary? I think think another thing is that um, recognize that that missionary on the foreign field— probably has not had a lot of Christian fellowship um, during his his uh, or the family's term of service um, in that foreign field. They probably have maybe maybe they've 
are in a place like Indonesia that you mentioned or in the far north where it's particularly hard to win people to the Lord Jesus Christ and and uh, they don't have a lot of uh, people around them, other missionaries, and so they haven't had a lot of fellowship. One of the things, again, that, that we did at our church is we had a missionary come in. We would always try to schedule and let the missionary know in advance so it would work in their schedule as well, but we would schedule just a very simple uh, fellowship with the missionary and give the, the church a time to get around the missionary, talk with them, and uh, hear the stories firsthand, not just from the platform, not just from the pulpit, but to interact with them. I know as a missionary, I enjoyed that. That was encouraging to me. I believe it was encouraging to the missionaries that we supported as a church. I know it was a help to our church family to interact with missionaries because, you know, I really believe that missionaries and their zeal for the Lord is contagious. And it really helps people to uh, say, hey, you know what? They're doing this for the Lord. And we're not saying that they're superheroes of the faith, but... We all know that, you know, you meet a missionary who's given four years of service over overseas and you think to yourself, maybe I could do a little bit more even here at home. And so it, it was a help all the way around for me as a pastor. It was a win, win, win. Church, pastor and missionary all benefited. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, one thing I've seen is if that church gets excited about that missionary coming, you know, there are two attitudes. You've seen this at churches, you know, where oh, it's another missionary today, you know, and it's sort of like, oh, they're taking up preaching time or, you know, oh, we're just going to hear these stories from overseas. But then there's others that we both experience, thankfully, mm-hmm. that are just thrilled that you're there. I think pastors can get their churches excited. Hey, it first time we're going to see this missionary in five years or seven yeah. years, whatever the case may be, and mm-hmm. make this as a great thing, you know? Like, we are, we have the opportunity to hear from our missionary who's not been with us for so long yeah. and build it up with mm-hmm. anticipation for the church rather than, you know, oh, yeah, we got a missionary tonight. No, let's yeah. make this a great thing and build within people the excitement of hearing what right. God's doing because there's yeah. some great stories mm-hmm. of what the Lord is doing. Yeah. And, and if I can add to that, I would say, you know, I know in our services, we're so crammed for time. Mm. And it's sometimes can be frustrating when you say, hey, missionary, give us an update over what's been going on for four years. And you give them four minutes or five minutes right. to do it. Yeah. So if you're going to have a guy come in, I would encourage that, hey, give them some time mm-hmm. worthy of, of hearing Absolutely. what they've been doing. Let yeah. them expound because you want to hear what God's doing in the life of individuals, not just the generic, right. well, over the four years, we've had so many people saved. Well, those those salvation stories equal uh, testimonies of a lot of hard work, both mm-hmm. on that missionary and, obviously, the Holy Spirit, of course. Mm-hmm. And so, man, let's hear some of those things. Right. Those are stories right. that are exciting to mm-hmm. hear, but sometimes we shortchange yeah. the time we give missionaries yeah. to talk about them. Yeah. Well, there's there's so much more, I think, that we could talk about as what a church could do to prepare. Uh, you know, I would I would say this one more one more thing, and then maybe ask what can a missionary do to prepare. I would say, uh, as a pastor, uh, one of the things I tried to do was I tried to be very careful about how many new missionaries. When we got to a point where we were supporting a good number of missionaries, and I recognized uh, if I have a new missionary in all these times, what happens when my my missionaries I support come back? 
if I give them an opportunity, I never get an opportunity to preach. And so we began to try to balance that out and say, you know, we're going we're gonna to focus on bringing new missionaries in more around missions conference time. And then that would give opportunity to be very flexible in our schedule for those missionaries coming back on furlough, recognizing again that I wanted to give those missionaries a time to not just be back in churches reporting. I know they love that. That's part of what they do. I've never really heard a missionary complain about having to do that. Mm. But I recognized I wanted them to have that really structured family rest and relaxation and recuperation time. So just be real flexible. And I was always more flexible in my schedule with a furloughing missionary that we supported as opposed to uh, a new missionary coming in. Makes so perfect I think, sense. I think yeah. we could do that. But but let's ask ourselves, uh, uh, we're kind of running out of time here. Let's uh, try to wrap this up with um, what can a missionary do to make furlough successful on their part? Well, one thing I would say is for them to plan to spend some time with their ascending church. Yes. I think that's so important so that they can be ministered to by the people who know them best. Mm-hmm. Um, they can reconnect with their home base, just like Paul did with the Church sure. of Antioch. He and Barnabas came back there, and, and that's his home turf. Mm-hmm. Spend some time on your home turf, you know, just yeah. in, with the people you know and the people you love. Reconnect with them and allow them to minister to you. Sure. Because, you know, missionaries are giving out, as I said earlier. And so when you get back to your church, in a sense, allow them to give mm-hmm. to you and invest in you and minister to you. Yeah. I think to help fill their love cup right. uh, can help right. them go a long way as they, they continue on furlough. Yeah. yeah, I think the other thing a missionary can do is most missionaries recognize furloughs coming up next year. Don't wait until three weeks before you start leaving to start scheduling meetings. Most pastors are, pa- are scheduling their meetings out a year in advance, or would at least appreciate that there's a better opportunity to get the dates you're looking for. And so plan in advance and say to a pastor, hey, pastor, next year's going to be furlough time for us. Is there a time that you'd like us to come in? Here's the times I'm, I'm scheduled to be in your area and, and work that way. And so that you can also that way, I think the more effectively you manage your schedule, the better opportunity there's going to be for you to have that time of rest and relaxation, refreshment that your family is desperately in need of and that whether you recognize it or not as a missionary, you are as well. Absolutely. And, you know, to draw this to a conclusion, I just think that I've seen missionaries who wait till they get back to the States Mm. because they say, oh, it's easier for me to call and uh, pastors when I'm here in the same time zone or yeah wow you it's hard if you can you put so much more pressure on yourself and yes I know sometimes particularly in my region where we're 12 14 15 hours ahead of schedule of, of churches here in the United States yeah. that uh, yeah they got to get up at three in the morning and call pastors and that's mm-hmm. not fun but yeah. it it's worth it to do it then then before they get to back yeah. to the states yeah. It just helps out, makes all the difference in the world. Absolutely. They could always send an email off and, and try to schedule some times to call, too, and make that time more effective. Boy, I think there's a lot more we could talk about here and, and could probably continue on with the furlough, but we're going to be over time if we do. And so I hope this uh, conversation on what is furlough, is it biblical, and uh, how does a church help a missionary during furlough time? And how does the missionary make his furlough successful? I hope that's a help and encouragement to those who have been listening. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the podcast, Conversations on the Commission. We look forward to uh, connecting with you next time. You can download, share, and subscribe at 
all your favorite podcast spot, uh, spots like iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everything else. Uh, look for us there. And our emails are found in the show notes, but you can email us at director at bimi.org or farnorthdirector at bimi.org. We look forward to hearing to, from you. Uh, send us some uh, suggestions, send us some comments. We'd love to love to get some feedback from you all. 